Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You know the difference between hockey and those other sports? You gotta be tough to be a hockey I idolized Dominic Hasek. I played goalie because of Dominic Hasek. My life in hockey has been started because of Sabres hockey. I didn't need playoffs this year. I wanted it, but I didn't need it. But when you screw up for the fans as much as the team has over the last, like, five years, and just don't hold yourself accountable, I'm sorry. I'll hang up and listen. I'm sorry. Welcome to Two Goalies, One Mike, an in-depth look and behind-the-mask conversation about the greatest game on earth, where everything goes and nothing's off-limits. Now I'll tell you something about this guy. This is only three minutes, eh? Whammo! Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 91, the Sergei Fedorov Tribute. Of two goalies, one Mike. I'm Johnny Cullen coming to you live uh, from a rink again, back to back weeks. Joined alongside Dwayne Stanell as always, and we are pleased to have on from Sportsnet, Edmonton Oilers expert Jack Michaels. Jack, thanks so much for taking time uh, to be here with us today. So, this isn't the Evander Kane tribute show? He's wearing 91 <laughs> for the oil. That probably wouldn't play that well in Buffalo, would it? No, but you know what? I uh, I was the same age as Kane, and we played against each other in the Ivan Holinka tournament. He was on Team Canada, of course, with Taylor Hall and them. He is not fun to play against as a goaltender uh, on the opposing side. I'll tell you that much. Um, he's, I haven't. He's been awesome in Edmonton. Just yeah, awesome. you, know, you know what? There's always been untapped potential there. I I got to see it live and him scoring on me at least a couple times. Um, and everybody like, scored on you, Cully. Shut up, Dwayne. Um, I had good numbers in Windsor. Um, I just uh, helped that Ryan Ellis was there. Uh, but with Kane, like you brought up, Jack, it, it never clicked consistency for him in Buffalo. And I don't know if that's because he didn't want to be here. I was excited. I know a lot of people have strong feelings towards him. I just hoped he got a fresh start and really happy to hear and see that he's doing well for you guys. Absolutely. I, he's, you know, he's fit in extremely well with the group. He's given Edmondson a little bit of bite. Uh, and he's also produced on the ice. I mean, he scored twice last night in the win over Detroit. And he's been assertive. He's been probably a little snake bit around the net, to be honest with you. And yet you look up and he's got 10 goals in 21 games as an Oiler. So he's been highly productive. And, and we really shouldn't be surprised. I mean, we're talking about a two-time 30-goal scorer. Uh, even though he didn't put up terrific numbers in Buffalo, he was still productive. And as I recall, he was productive for one of the lowest scoring teams in the league at that time in Buffalo. And yep, he always we were he so always true. We 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 played most of the game in our end. I don't think we had many. I call yeah. them like a scoring chances. That those years he was here, we were lucky to get one a period. And that's obviously you know not what you're looking for in the National League. No, no, not at all. So. He, he's been excellent, and, and like I said, I, I the Oilers are finally starting to get healthy. They got a little – they were a little late in the game in terms of having the injuries pile up, and so some teams got healthier before Edmonton. 
Now they're starting to get healthy. The last one to come back will be Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Uh, but against Buffalo, I'm expecting both Yesapuli Arby and Chris Russell uh, back in the lineup. Complimentary pieces to be sure, but still proven NHL regulars. And, you know, when this team is healthy, uh, there's not a great deal more talented forward groups than what Edmonton brings to the table. When you think of Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Evander Kane, Leon Drysuttle, Zach Hyman, and oh, yeah, Connor McDavid. <laughs> yeah. oh, yeah. I, uh, you know, that, that, that freak of nature gift from God, hockey gods, 97 down the middle. Um, listen, I, Dwayne, I know you had something. I just want to ask one quick question on the Kane thing. Who did they have him playing with? Um, you mentioned like the depth. Every team that's been able to win has had depth in, in their forward group, especially down the middle. You mentioned that with everybody getting bidding healthy. I haven't seen last night's game, but where is Kane settled in? Who are his line mates currently? Kane's, Kane's playing with uh, Connor McDavid and Kyler Yamamoto, who scored in three consecutive games. I like uh, this, Dan. He's fast, man. Got great I, love, I, I love his. And he plays bigger than he is. I think you guys would agree with that. He's, 100%. he's got a little jam to his game, even though he's probably not more than 165 pounds soaking wet. He reminds me of our Dylan Cousins, right? They're not yep. heavy players physically, but they have that bite, and they can – I call it compete, but you, you love to see it out of these young guys, right? And I, I'd like, I'd like to make a point on Dylan Cousins. I think around the league, and certainly uh, not that I'm representative of the entire league, but I think he got a lot of people's attention with what he did, uh, stepping up with a big hit on Austin Matthews, calling out Michael Bunning a little bit. Yeah, I think that guy's. I think that guy's Buffalo's future captain. I mean, I in fact I know he is. That guy, I'm telling you, Jeff, for those who Jeff, have been impatient with him, I'm telling you, he's coming. Yeah, I, uh, I I tend to agree with you. Uh, you know, I don't know about maybe say future captain. I think a lot of people here in Buffalo think that's reserved for Alex Tuck. Uh, Alex Tuck is another really- rumored. Yeah, another rumored captain in Vegas. If he had been able to stay healthy, I mean, that was what was ironic about the trade is if he had stayed healthy, there never would have been a trade for Jack Eichel involving yep. Vegas. I. He has the potential, but for me, with Cousins being an original Sabre, you know, a seed, mm-hmm. I'm telling you, I'm, I think that I, kid is going to be the Sabre, Sabres captain. I think Sabres fans would be absolutely elated with, it, like, with either direction they go with, but with him being kind of like a Western New York guy, I mean, you're not going to find many guys when they find out they've been traded from Vegas to Buffalo or any top-end team to Buffalo – Who's going to have a smile ear to ear the way Alex Tuck did? And to say fair that, enough, he, fair enough. To 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 have to him say that you know it was a dream of his to always wear that jersey, and to him buy in immediately and just literally. I, I think a good example might have been I forget which game it was, but he was going. He, he it was him alone in the zone. He was going hard to the net, took a shot, went in for his own rebound, buried his head, and just you know went to the net and, and like. He almost hurt his shoulder going uh, going into the post. Luckily, it wasn't anything serious. But just like that type of like the example he sets forth on the ice. And before he even debuted in his first game, he was traveling with the team. He was you know yep. getting to know the younger players. No question. I hey, think- I'm, I love Alex Tuck. I think it was a great deal for both teams. Yep, I really do. I think it was a great deal for both teams. And I'm not just straddling you know both sides of the fence there. I think Peyton yep. Krebs is a good player. 
I think Alex Tuck absolutely will be in the leadership group. But I'm just telling you, Dylan Cousins, in my mind, he took the biggest step of his NHL career. And it's, granted, a brief one. But yep. the other day against against uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs, I think Sabre fans, looking back five years from now, will oh, yeah. look at that outdoor game as a major turning point in the evolution of Dylan Cousins, not only as a player, but a leader. Personally, for me, too, you, you, we, we look back at the days of Breer and Jury when we had those. Those guys both were captain. I mean, who's to say you can't even go in that direction? You're co-captains. Yeah. One guy captain on the road, one guy captain on the, at home. Whichever you, you know, whichever way you decide to go with. But um, I and on that point, Dwayne, I just wanted to touch on it because it's been talked about a lot here, Jack. I, I think that you need to be careful with your timing of naming a captain, right? Yeah. It, it was oh, different sure. in Edmonton. It's different in every different situation. I'm not disagreeing with you. I love everything that he's brought. Um, cousins and I know uh, people have been talking about um, what's his uh, talk. I, I think it's going to be interesting, but to, for like you guys said, it's all about momentum. And when we go back and, and look at Dylan Cousins' career ten years from now, I think he hit the nail on the head, Jack. To do that on a national stage against the, the games, one of the game's best players, and and where the game was at to protect his. One of our franchise defensemen, that's what we've been missing for so long. Yep. And it's been talked about here. And, and Dwayne, I don't know about you, but I felt it. And, 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 and oh, yeah. with the Buffalo fans, and it's, it's refreshing. You've, you've, I'm sure you've been through it and you've seen it in Edmonton in the lean years. But uh, I think you hit the nail on the head. It was just very exciting for us and, 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 a, and, a, and a team that hasn't given us many exciting moments in the past few years. So well said. And if he's smart. Michael Bunning is not going to be in a hurry to take that fight because I do no. not think it'll go well for him. No, not at all. Definitely not. And I, that was that was very enjoyable to watch. I, mean, I know we we talked before. You're you're from the area, actually here, you know, in Western New York, and uh, so you know what it's what what it's like here when not just the Sabers but the Bills are both good. Um, what this area and how hype it can be. Um, also, what that rivalry has the potential to be like again, because I mean, that was my childhood back in the goat head Jersey days of, uh, of Dominic Hasek over here, you know, going up against the Leafs, Ty Domi, Matt Sundin, you know, um, Darcy Tucker, all of them. And how fun those games could get, and, you know, how, you know, how, how talkative, you know, and the back and forth between Sabres and Leafs fans when, when the rivalry like really mattered and to see maybe it start up again in that heritage classic, I mean, I'm elated because that's just that's what I used to live for as a kid. I, I love that rivalry. I think just right up the QEW, how close both markets are. I mean, we get a lot of their fans down here for games sometimes, even when they're not playing the Leafs and yeah. uh, you know pre-COVID. And you know, uh, obviously, cheaper ticket than the ACC or whatever yeah. it's called now. Yeah, so whatever it's called now. Yeah, do you see that when when Edmonton comes to town? Did you see uh, like any like? Is there a lot of Edmonton support from the Southern Ontario market in a normal year when you come to Buffalo? I know it's only once a year, but it's 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 a it's a decent amount of support, and I'll tell you why. Is it's my experience that outside of Calgary, Edmonton is Canada's second favorite team. In other words, you're usually a Leafs or a Habs guy. Obviously, the Canucks will have their fans, but I. Generally speaking, outside of Calgary, no one really hates the Oilers. Uh, mm -hmm. Canada took a great deal of pride in Edmonton's domination of the league in the mid to early nine, you know, in the mid eighties through through early nineties. And so, 
you know, and, and to be honest with you, you had a you had a team from Alberta, you know, in the final every year from mm-hmm. 1983 through 1990. I mean, I don't think we'll ever see that. And you had a team in the conference final for 10 straight years, either from Edmonton, Calgary, mostly, of course, the Edmonton Oilers. So we do uh, – the Oilers fans travel well. There's no question about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and just getting back to, to what Dwayne said about the Igloo. In the mid-1980s, as you guys know, the Sabres were a contender. The Penguins were not. You know, it wasn't until the late 80s when a colleague of mine now, Rob Brown, came aboard with a certain number 66 that all of a sudden people in not Pittsburgh a big deal. started getting interested in the Penguins. So, yeah, I, my first game in the, in the odd was uh, the mid-80s, uh, a Rob Ray fight and uh, a Buffalo win over Philadelphia, I believe. So, you know, I know the area well. Buffalo is a passionate market. Uh, One of the first uh, dates I I took my current wife on was a a trip to Buffalo to see a Bills game against the Niners. That was, I believe believe the game that Doug Flutie came in for Rob Johnson and kind of started solidifying his spot. Uh, as this as the Bills uh, starting quarterback brought him back, I think the Niners won, but it was close. Yep. And then Fl- Flutie took the mantle from there. And what and I then, remember hey, about two weeks this, later, we had Flutie flakes, and I still have a box right. of them somewhere at my house. And the thing I remember about that game is it was in October. Uh, we were all bundled up, and by the end of the game, it was eighty-two degrees. It set a record that's to this day for whatever it was, October such and such, in Buffalo, my wife, her one half of her face was completely sunburned. We had a, we had a fantastic day. So I love the area. I love the market. I really enjoyed when Buffalo was a regular host to the Combine and, and uh, the draft. I was able to get to Buffalo three or four times a year. I love what they've done with the area around the arena. And I'll tell you what, now that the hockey club has, has turned a corner here, I'm very confident that, uh, you know, you'll see the Sabres once again kind of forge their way in, into the primary landscape. Because I think deep down Buffalo's every bit a hockey town as it is a football town. I really and, believe that. And I will I say this. You hit the nail on the head, Dwayne, and I know you're segueing into this, but the Pagula's comment, I don't know, I'm sure you're aware, Jack, but when they said there was no crossover between Bills and Sabres fans, it hit a nerve. Because there absolutely is. Now, are there Bills fans that don't care about hockey? Sure. But Buffalo is a passionate sports town, right? Go ahead, Dwayne. Well, absolutely. It's where where my parents met. Yeah. My parents met in West Seneca and waited in line in the same neighborhood to see the Godfather. It's 50 years out, right? Godfather debuted 50 years ago. They waited in line with a fellow West Seneca resident that lived two blocks from him. He wore number 32 for the Buffalo Bills. We'll leave it at that. Thurman Thomas, <laughs> come on. No, 32. I'm younger than you guys. Give me a break. Yes, I, I know, but I'm trying to help you out a little bit. I'm um, sorry, boys. Real quick, Kelly, Kelly, before you cut in. You um, should have known my parents would not have been Thurman Thomas, the era. That, that's, no, no. That's okay, uh, that, all the way. That, that that's definitely getting clipped up for sure. Um, oh just before before we before we cut in though, uh, you know, just because we're on the subject of the Bills, it does look like Jordan Phillips is returning to Buffalo from Arizona. He was, uh, uh, I'm not sure if it was a free agent or released, but uh, the defensive uh, de- defensive end, I believe it was, he's returning to uh, the Buffalo Bills. He 
Posted on he his might Instagram. have been an inside defensive tackle, but he was a big yeah. part of that that inside yeah. core. He helped yeah, out a lot. Right. Good to have him back. Yeah, he, he well before it is out before it isn't official, but he uh, he posted on his Instagram. The heart wants what the heart wants. Thank you, Arizona. Hashtag Let's Go Buffalo. So hey, while yeah. we're on this subject, I suppose I to admit number one, I'm a Browns fan. Number two, and this may date me as well. I was at the Don Beebe flipped onto his head game, Ronnie Harmon dropping the TD pass right in front of me. That's why awesome. Matthews picked off the next pass from Jim Kelly. And that was, I think, one that was, I think the Browns have won two playoff games since then. That was 1989. I think they've won two playoff games since then, one in 1994. And won a couple years ago when they beat the Steelers. How do you how do you feel about? Uh, obviously, you you probably saw what Baker Mayfield posted. I believe it was yesterday. Yeah, I saw that. You know, you know I, what I mean, like kind of thanking the fans and stuff like that, and because of the reports about Deshaun Watson uh, being spoken to, he said, "No matter where I take my next snap, I just want you all to know how much you know I appreciate you all." You know, taking. I'd in. rather take. I'd rather him take on a little bit more of a confrontational uh, tone in terms of. Hey, this is my position. I'm not giving it up, and I don't care who they talk to. I didn't like how put your boot in the ground. Be the Baker Mayfield that we've always known. It's kind of like the movie Draft Day, right? When they were talking about drafting that quarter, it's the same fucking thing. It's the same thing. It's like you know he went. I want Baker Mayfield to go into that office and just absolutely tear the GMs. Like you, you, you want to sit here and say you want to put your faith in me, this, that, and you want to bring in this guy that. Of this, I mean, I don't care how good he is. Look what surrounds him. Look, I mean, that's, I mean, not even to get into that, but I mean, I I've always he, been. A I wish he was a little more combative, hundred percent. Yeah, you know, show some fire, show some passion. I just, I, I hate the fact that, you know, I, I mean, sports, it's it, any sport. It's just a brutal. It's a business first and foremost. It's, it can be a brutal thing, and it can really rip your heart out of your chest. And I think, you know, kind of seeing what's happening in Cleveland. I mean, I would like to see them really put, uh, uh, you know, I mean, I don't know if it's the coaching. Cause I, I, we all, we all have seen Baker Mayfield do it, right? You know, he's he's capable. Um, just really kind of getting, making sure you have all the tools in the toolbox. Uh, and I don't know, man. I don't know how you feel about Baker, but I, I've always appreciated him. I've always appreciated that competitive drive of his. Played through that shoulder injury all year last year, essentially. And I don't think that helped him or the team. I think mm-hmm. in retrospect, to look back on that as as maybe a situation where he tried to out-tough the situation and maybe it wasn't, you know, the brightest move. I applaud the fact that he's that he was a warrior and all that, but I, I honestly think it, it hurt the club last year and obviously jeopardized his standing in Cleveland. Because yeah. two years ago, there's in a no contract way. year, right? Like he yeah. hadn't signed he, from that draft class. He hadn't signed his ticket yet. We saw exactly. it work out with Dak. Obviously, Dak's injury was way different. It was a complete leg. He didn't have any chance to play through that, you know, compound fracture. But um, you know, he bet on himself. It worked out. But I think you're right. You hit on it. Listen, there's there's something to admire about toughness. But at some point, your responsibility to the team once you once you you know that you're past the point of like you're 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 hurting the team, right? You want yeah. to gut it out, but you have to realize as a good teammate and be responsible to say, "Hey, listen, I I, I know I'm not 100, percent and 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 I and I know I gotta the the right thing for me to do here is is not play." Yeah, no, so, I'm with you there. So I, I I had one question. Segwaying back into hockey, Dwayne. I'm sorry if you had more football stuff. No, Jack, no, just... since 
since we've had, you know, you, you've been blessed with McDavid, seeing somebody play the, the position that nobody is able to, you know, copy really his ability to to get up in the ice at such high speeds and transition um and, and make goalies stay i look at it from a goaltending standpoint it's special we've never seen it you got to you know watch the great you know you, you mentioned uh lemieux and your hometown um but i do you, do you agree with me nobody's ever done it like mcdavid has well i i tend to defer to the best player in the history of the game on that and when he says it I, that's good enough for me. And that's yeah. exactly what Wayne Gretzky has said. I mean, Wayne has said on more than one occasion, look, it's ridiculous to compare the kind of speed he reaches and what he's able to do with the puck at that speed to anything I did in my day. It's not even, it's not even the same thing. And uh, he, even, he even mentioned it on the, a little bit, I think on the, on the national broadcast, maybe he was referring to Matthews or, or like some of the other players, but that it, like you hit the nail on the head there. I just, what a treat it must be for you to get to see that on a nightly basis. It, it, it's, it's ironic. Well, it's because- humorous to me. It's humorous to me when anyone invokes Matthews, you know, not only with, with McDavid, but even Leon Dreisaitl. I mean, to me, I don't think they're comparable. They're way different players. Well, and, and fine, if you want to compare them, let, let's, let's, let's not even do McDavid the injustice of comparing uh, himself to Austin Matthews, but let's just look at Leon Dreisaitl and Matthews. And I'll tell you uh, that, you know, one guy has scored 50 goals and 100 points and won the Ross and won the Hart, and the other guy's name is Austin Matthews. Sorry. I mean, he hasn't I, – I, Austin Matthews is an unbelievable player, and he may be – the best shooter in the game right now, even surpassing Alex Ovechkin, but he hasn't won anything individually or as a team. You could say the same thing about the Oilers from a team perspective, but at least they've won a playoff round with McDavid and Dreisaitl. Austin Matthews can't even say that. I'm not running Austin Matthews down. I just think these comparisons don't serve him well. These comparisons don't serve him well because he hasn't had the accomplishments that merit those comparisons. He disappeared. He disappeared last year in the playoffs. It was kind of like Willie Nylander kind of taking And out, not for the over. first time either. No, and you know, you want to know what? I completely agree. I, I, I listen to a lot of different podcasts, um, a lot of different podcasts uh, outside of uh, some of the local Buffalo ones, but uh, I listen to the Steve Dangle podcast, and they're all on board. Matthew's front runner for Hart. Matthew's for, for, what do you mean front runner for Hart? Yeah, don't get me wrong. 50, 45 goals in 56 games, whatever it is, 55. He's had a tremendous year. Yeah, unbelievable year. He's in the conversation, but don't sit there and try and say he's a front runner. You know, I think the right now it's a very close race between uh, Matthews, McDavid, and Shostirskin. Those are the three, in my opinion. And I mean, it's it's for me, it's difficult to say. I mean, actually, I'm kind of taken away from Jonathan Huberto too, who's having himself a great year in Florida, but. I, for me, those are the three guys, and I, I, I don't think it's a runaway race that people are making a scene for Matthews. Yeah, I, and I tend to take the the Hart Trophy a little too literally sometimes, uh, you know, as the most valuable player. I don't just look at oh, the no, top let me, of the Jack, score sheet. How do you – how do you – sorry to interrupt you, but how do you inter- – I was going to ask, how do you interpret the Hart? Because there's been talk about it. Is it the player most valuable to his team? And 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 Because like, you know that with the argument I'm getting to, correct? You know what I'm talking about? Like, well, I feel like that's, – that's, yeah. sorry, go ahead. No, I, I mean, I, I think in that case, you'd have to take a hard look at Shesterkin, but I'd bring up two other guys, two other guys out West 
that and certainly this would like just raise eyebrows in Toronto, but I'm sorry, has anyone been more valuable to his team than either Nazem Kadri or Gabe Landeskog? I mean, I Landeskog's out with an Nazem injury Kadri. right now. Yeah, I mean, look at what they've done and look at look at Colorado's record, for God's sake. And, oh, and Landeskog has missed time with an injury. But Landeskog, the reason I mentioned Landeskog is, number one, he's got 30 goals. Number two, he'll fight anybody. I mean, he he does it all. He's the complete player. <laughs> oh, excuse Jack. Me. Jack, I have a good Landeskog story for you. What do you got? I'll tee you up. I I played against Landeskog. My Gabe Landeskog moment, he was in Kitchener as a rookie. Um, He not only scored a hat trick on me, he fought our heavyweight that outclassed him by 50 pounds and six inches, and he beat him up. So, you know, we lost three to two. He scored all three goals, beat up our tough guy. That was my first game against Gabe and and Kitchener. And I knew that he was special back then because he was a captain early in his career with the Rangers. And And the Avalanche. He's just he's just a special player, and and it's tough to compare people to him. I think that like he kind of gets lost a little bit maybe out in because he's you know in, sure. in Colorado and he has talent. Yes, because you got McKinnon. Yeah. Right. So I, I, I appreciate Landis Cog so much. I love Kadri's game. I love what they're doing. Uh, he's Kadri his defensive play has always been there. And, but I just think Colorado is really using it the right way. They're such a tough team to match up against um, with their depth and when they're healthy and when Nathan McKinnon's doing McKinnon things and Landis Cog is being, you know what I mean? Like that's a scary team. You mentioned um, McKinnon, who was going to be the other one, Jack? Uh, oh, just on him? his own team. Yeah, Cadbury? on his own team. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Not not that McKinnon would be an MVP, but you were saying how Landeskog gets lost, you know, out west with, with McDavid and some of those players. He gets lost out west on his own team. It's it's a very good team. And, and to be honest with you, I mean, that's the prohibitive favorite in the Western Conference. But for me, uh, that's what makes the West so wide open is outside of that. I don't think the Pacific division is particularly strong and I don't, you know, foresee a central division team right now in Colorado's class. So the thought is in Edmonton, uh, find a way to get into the playoffs and the Oilers have started, started to solidify their spot and then take your shots and just try to avoid Colorado in the first round or the first two rounds. If you can, if you can manage it. Yeah, and hope and hope yeah. either they're not there or you find a way to beat them in in a in a best of seven series. Colorado. Hey, listen, I think if you get it to that point, won anything yet? Yeah, Darcy Cooper. I love him as a goalie. I was a brief teammate of mine with the Ontario Reign in my short stay there, but. Like you said, they have that monkey on the back too. They have with that core, they haven't really gotten to where they they. Sh- I don't want to say they should be, but like they they. How many times have they been, they've been to the conference finals? I don't think None. they've got there, have they? Yeah. None. So like, they have not. I, there, there's that Wait, hurdle. You were in Ontario as well. Now, was that in the American League or the there, East No, NHL? they were still in the East Coast League. I was there very briefly right after my OHL career. I was a backup to Darcy Cooper and J.F. Berube. So two future NHL goalers in front of me in the East Coast League. What year would that have been? 2012, right after we lost to London, I flew directly to Ontario. Um, we had... 15 games left in the regular season and then we lost to the Idaho Steelheads. So that, 
I think 13, 2002, 12, 13. So it would have been you the spring I of 13. games in that building, right? The, it's a great rink. I love, I love the rain rink. Yeah. And I was, I was a healthy scratch. So I got to be up in the, the press box area. I loved it. It was a great setup. If you weren't in on the, in the roster, I backed up a few games, um, you know, when they got called up, but uh, it's a great building. I love my time in Ontario. In that, uh, in that press box, I interviewed a heavyweight by the name of Chris Ariola, who fought for the heavyweight title uh, yeah. a few years later, That's but yeah, cool. he was, he was a product of, uh, you know, n- not necessarily right in Ontario, but east of Los Angeles, which as what you know. What do they call that, the Inland Empire? They, well, yeah, I don't know what they call it, but I, I remember the arena was called at the time Citizens Business Bank Arena. And uh, so I, I yeah, I, I broadcast quite a few years out of Ontario, uh, spent most of my time in the miners out west and in places like Colorado Springs and Anchorage. So Idaho Steelheads, I was in Boise, Idaho more times than I care to remember. I love that city. Hey, that city doesn't get enough credit. I like when they said we were going to it's Boise. It's a hidden I'm like, gem. Hidden dude, gem. it's gorgeous. I was blown away. Obviously, it was my first, you know, sniff of actual pro experience, not counting the OHL. But you know, to have the per diem in your pocket, the downtown area, the steakhouse we went to, I, it was a beautiful city, man. And the college girls so helped too. If you don't mind me asking and maybe a little playful ribbing here, I mean, you've dropped a lot of names on this podcast. What the hell are you doing hosting this show? Oh, I, uh, thanks, I had man. my sixth meniscus surgery. <laughs> Sorry, so. Dwayne, but I, I just I, I had to ask. I mean, this guy's this guy's crossed paths with some of the biggest names in hockey. I, had I haven't dropped out. the biggest one yet. Zach Cassian was my teammate. Fire. So I'm, oh, I'm a good buddy of Zach Pathian. Yeah, we, we played in Windsor together, and I went to Sabres development camp with him. So we so spent what, a summer together. Uh, no, I missed Taylor. I played against Taylor Hall for two years. I played with Ellis and Cassian. Oh, okay, gotcha. So right. right after they won their their back-to-back Mem Cups and Bugner took the Columbus job, I played there with um, Campbell, and then they traded Jack, and I played there again my overage year with Kirby Reichel. And Is that Bugner you the Campbell. right there? That's to fall, yes. That's me yeah. against Ottawa, and Toffoli's about to go one-time t- one chat on me. It's about to be teddy bear toss night, and in, you can see the teddy bears in the background. I've, uh, I've, I've let in quite a few teddy bear toss go- goals, uh, and they always feel like they're aiming right at me. So it, 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 hey, it's okay. A- he, had, he had two 50-goal seasons in that league, so you're in, you're in good company there. I just I, – I didn't realize I was – Dwayne did not prepare me for your resume. Dwayne, so. Dwayne, Dwayne likes to chirp me every time I bring up my career. You just made but, his entire week, Jack. You really did. Just to, to bring that up, you just, literally just made this guy's entire week. He's going to go home and tell Papa Call all about the podcast today with Jack Michaels and how I got to relive, put, bring, bring the yearbook back out and talk about the old glory days. Meanwhile, I'm a washed-up men's league goalie. Who had hey, 15, we all end up in the same place, Dwayne. We had, all end up in men's league. Who, who had 15 minutes of fame on the radio one time, and now as a now as a podcast. So, Jack, That's to answer your question, I, yeah, I, I I was gonna bring it up later, but um, Cassian was instrumental in taking me under my wing. The last piece to that story, Kevin Adams was working as a player development guy at the time, so it was Zach Cassian. Um, who were the other three? Uh, Marcus Foligno, um, 
who was Dwayne? Who was that big guy we had for a year um, that um, played for a year and then kind of fizzled out? Uh, I can't forget his name. Anyway, big guy for a year. That's a lot to go on, Cole. Sorry. Anyway, anyways, every morning at 6 a.m., I would go out to Leisure Rinks in West Seneca, Orchard Park, and it was me and Cassie and Felino and two other prospects. And Kevin Adams would run it, uh, and it was one of the best summers of my life, 6 a.m. every morning, and to see him come full circle and now be the GM, to see Cassie and, you know, bounce around and get get healthy and have success, I couldn't be happier for him. I really, really loved it. He's a teammate, so he'll be a brother of mine for life. If you see him, tell him Cully says hello. All right, I'll do that. Yeah, I uh, think, okay. Were you talking about Michael Funk, possibly? Big guy for a year? No. No, not Mike Funk. He was, he was a he was no, a big guy. It was, he was uh, Luke Adam. Luke Adam. Luke, Luke Adam. Adam. Oh, yeah, first round pick. Luke Adam was a first round pick. Yeah. yeah. He um, had that hot season ouch. and then he just disappeared. So yeah, it was just fun. And the other guy was Corey Trot. He was a Michigan State uh free agent signing. Anyways, our Corey Trop. Peas. Corey no, Trop. Yeah. yeah, you remember fun. him. He had a couple of fights in the He's NFL. a good middleweight. Yeah. I saw Cassian absolutely with his lefts just because he was he I, I first played against him in Peterborough and he was a man child. We're the same age. Um, and the night that he got drafted to the Sabres, they used the video clip of Peterborough versus Niagara because that's where I started my career. And it was the game where he had three goals. So, of course, in my hometown, my draft night, my, I knew I wasn't going to get drafted. Uh, if I might have gone in the very last pick, right? But the first round, channels two, four, and seven, the highlights they're showing is Cassie and our Sabres first round pick. And it's him, me getting buried on three times. So that was, a, that was a tough night for me. Hey, you're released in the highlights. Uh, yeah, but he embarrassed me. He had good hands, man. He can do it all in that league. I'm just happy that he's found uh he's gotten healthy and he, he stayed healthy and he's in a good spot and the Oilers seem to be using him correctly. He, I, I know he's getting older and that the way he plays takes wear and tear on your body, but um, I, I loved, I loved the way he played and he was I always first it. to protect me. I hated it when Buffalo traded him for Cody Hodgson, man. I oh, that was the that worst, guy. especially after Hodgson's back injury. I played against pre-Jack. Do you remember pre-back surgery Cody Hodgson? Yeah, I, I never thought he had much in the way of foot speed, to be honest with you. Yeah, that always slowed him down. But him and Duchesne, when they played together in Brampton, I think maybe that propped him up in my eyes because, you know, like they were they were a terror to play against. Uh, and Stan Butler was their coach, which didn't help. But anyways, um, I hated that trade too. Uh, I was so sad to see Cass go. I'm just happy he's found um, success and, 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 and happiness. I, he, you know, I know he gets, he might not be the most fan friendly fan f- fan favorite in other towns. Cause he plays the heavy game. He does, but I, I love the guy. Edmonton, I can tell you that. Oh, uh, I, and I think that's something Dwayne talks about a lot. Buffalo has been missing that. And yeah, yeah. like you guys talked about, Cousins is nowhere near Cassian, but just that type of ability and and to have we have a you know John Hayden and Samuelson now that are starting to show themselves. But that's a listen to have a guy like Cassian or Lucic or um, the, the guy that was on Vegas and now in the Rangers, like having somebody that can play the game Reeves. but can also in an yeah Reeves in an instant you know put the fear of God in somebody. That's an that's an undervalued trait. I feel. 
Well, you've got two guys with a great deal of skill that are both extremely young and have an edge to their game. We mentioned Cousins, and I'll say this. Tage Thompson has, look, there's a reason there's a bloodline there. Brent is a good friend of mine. Tage played baseball with my son when he was about 10 and my son was about three. A really kind, uh, solid kid even back then. Hell of a player now edge to his game. I think with Thompson and Cousins and some of the young players, you, we, we've talked about talk, obviously. Uh, you've got some guys where if you get some goaltending and uh, most importantly, a goaltender with a bit more of a future. I mean, I love Craig Anderson, but I don't think he has many years no, left. No. Maybe uh, one. If, yeah, exactly. If you can get you know a young goaltender into Buffalo, I think there's real potential for this team to make a run and, and sneak into one of the two wild card spots within the next year I or agree. two. I really believe I that. I agree. I, I, I go ahead, Dwayne. No, I agree. And you know, down the line too, what we have, you know, coming coming in that, you know, uh maybe two, three years on the line with Eric Portillo and Devin Levi, th- those are two kids who have really well, you have to hope one of them pans out. That's yep, the key. That's the thing. Just you one. never have too many good goaltenders, right? Especially, right. you know. Well, but again, you need one of them. I don't think yep. they'll both pan out. I'll tell you that right now. I, I don't odds, think you're odds are review, Jack. The, the history yeah. says, you know, like it's tough. Goalies develop differently one. and you don't hit on everybody. So, you, you, like you said, you need to make sure you you can't put all your eggs in one basket there. It's better to draft and have a, a stable, hope you get one thoroughbred, than have, you know. I think the, the Cal, Cal Peterson leaving and, and using that loophole with the college free agent fourth year thing, that really left a gap in our goaltending. But shame on the Agreed. Sabres for not having another, like you said, another, you know, one B guy in, in, in the system, right? UPL is there. Should he be in the league full time? I don't know. Is he the answer? I don't think we've seen enough of him yet, but you'd like to think that. We and Dwayne talk about it a lot. Dwayne, Dwayne's talked quite a little bit about it. It's just tough because every goalie develops different. There's not not everybody's a Spencer Knight or you know what I mean. We we've seen it with 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 every. Uh, there's a bunch of different examples, right? Like um, I I just think it's the window for the Sabers, as Butcher Gross put it to us. If the Sabers can get solid goaltending in the next two three years, as as the Capitals, as the Penguins, as the Bruins start to fade out. I think there will be a window. It's not obviously not this year, but Jack, you brought it up, and Dwayne, you hit it on the head. I I, I really hope that goaltending because is 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 here. Or do you make a trade? I don't know. Like it's that's a that's the gold million dollar question. Is it not for the Sabres' success? Well, I again, I I think it, you look at some of the other pieces they have. Darlene anchoring. The back end, even if they're quote unquote stuck with the Skinner contract, as long as he's playing in a role where he can succeed, I, I still think you can bank on him for 20 to 25 goals a year. Uh, Vinny Hinnestro, you know, I mean, some of these guys are going to leave, but there's a certain core. I mean, to me, a key guy, if he could get his game going, because he's t- a tantalizing product for me, product for me, a prospect, but he's, he's starting to become a suspect as Casey Middlestad. If you can yeah. find a way to get him going, I mean, you know, and maybe you don't keep all these pieces, but you're maybe you're able to work a trade. I think they might, you know, they might be moving Olafson at the deadline. I don't know. You know, I think he'd be a good fit he, in Edmonton. Well, if you can get a few pieces for a couple of these guys and then the rest stick around, like I said, I, I think the future is bright. I, I really do. And I think the leadership group 
uh, with, uh, again, for me, it's Tuck, it's Thompson, and it, it's Cousins. I, I think those are the three guys. I'm telling you what, uh, Tage Thompson is going to start becoming a, a household name as well. And, guys, don't sleep on this guy because I, I know something I about Tage. his family. He's, he's oh, all hey, class. Granado moving him to the middle. Hard. Sorry to interrupt he's, you, Jack. Granado moving him to the middle is 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 just set him free and allowed the the world to start seeing how good Tage can be. Hey, I've always no, I've always center. believed in him. He hadn't played center since he was a kid. Right. I mean, I was kind of teasing his dad. His dad was like, I don't know how he's going to do at center, and I'm like, you know what? Two weeks into it, it's looking like he's doing just damn fine. So you know, it's it's, it's been it, fun it, to watch, bro. It's been fun to see awesome. that development. You know, not everybody can make kid. that transition, right? And and you see a lot of pros that you know have to like try that and and really because everybody was their best player on their team growing up, right? But to see the way Don Granado has helped bring Tage. To the to where he's at now, and you hear him talk about it in the post game. Yes, it might not always be on the score sheet, but now he's matching up against the best players in the league. He's getting everybody's top line on the road, yeah. right? Even at home, um, and, and he's still and, producing. Yes, exactly. So I'm with you 100. I love his game. Uh, one name I wanted to ask you about. Maybe you, you remember him from World Juniors with Germany, uh, JJ Paterka, and Jack Quinn. You know, those are another two guys that are coming in. Um, you mentioned middle stat. He, he, you know, like he hasn't been consistent and you hit the nail on the head, but I, I like Paterka. I, I hope, you know, I hope he has the foot speed and the, the durability and to stay in and become an NHLer, even if it's a bottom six guy, like we talked about early, you need that depth Edmonton going out and getting Hyman and adding to their forward group with some of the guys that you mentioned that are now becoming healthy. It, it's, it's not, it's not a coincidence that they're, they're starting to string together more wins and be more consistent. You need that full group and you need that depth up front. So um, to, 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 to go to, from, from Buffalo to Edmonton, it's just, it's going to be fun over the next couple of years. I think we have a lot of pieces in place. No, I I'd, I'd concur. And the key is you, you know, at this point with all the shakeups you've had in the last decade or so, uh, the key is to find that core group of six, seven, and keep growing it out to eight, nine, 10, 11 guys. I'll give you a team, the New York Islanders, a couple trips to the conference final. They've got guys who've been there for eight, nine, 10 years. Even though it's not a major market in the classic sense, they enjoy being New York Islanders. For mm -hmm. so many years, the Sabres haven't had that. They haven't had guys that have been with the team for the decade. Their longest tenured player, off the top of my head would be Zemgis Giergensen's. I close to Yeah, I think Giergensen's has been there longer. I, I mean, think, you, I think if, you're right. Yeah, like one or two saying, years. No, yeah, yeah you're at right. At least, at least, at least. I, I mean, think he's so been here 11 I'm, years. Yeah, what I'm saying is you got to find a group of guys that want to be in Buffalo and, and that can rewrite the narrative about it's an organization that's in a perpetual rebuild. Why do I say that? Because I know the feeling. I I, I am in a, have some experience in an Edmonton team that for so many years, 2010 to for maybe 2015-16, also were looking for that core. Now they've found that core with guys like Nurse and Drysaddle and McDavid. And to your point, Cully, Zach Cassian, who all of a sudden has been with this team for six years. It's very important to have those guys at the core of your organization that genuinely cannot envision playing anywhere else. Now, 
talking about top prospects. My kid is not one, but as you know, Dwayne, I got to think about getting to his game pretty shortly. So do you have time? Yeah, I got to hop back on the ice in about five minutes, too. Um, I, I got to hop on the ice in five minutes. Jack, I, 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 I appreciate I, I, I all your time. time I got um, to roll, though. Hey, we appreciate you, buddy. Tell Cass Coley misses him and all the best. Go get that cup and that I love him. I appreciate you. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, Jack Edwards, play-by-play uh, play sports Edwards. Thank you. Or Jack, God, I'm sorry, Jack Michaels. Wow, that's another fine. That's two messed ups. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Jack. That's, pe that's two fines for me. Real quick. You know what? I think Jack Edwards is even more insulted than I am. Jack's a, Jack's a good friend of mine. He's a, I, uh, he's a great broadcaster and a great human being. I, uh, I apologize real, for that. Real quick, Jack. That's all right, Cully. I'll just bring it up the next time we're talking about your save percentage. Yeah. Jack, if you, if you don't mind, if Jack, if you don't mind, before you like go, uh, you take off. Um, obviously, uh, you know, you being a play-by-play -play guy, you you doing TV radio, uh, you know, you see that Rick Janaret is calling his last year as a say in in the Sabers booth. Fifth, over 50 years, the guy has been like a like you talk about people who have been with the organization forever. He's literally almost been here since day one, and um. You know, you know, you being a guy that you know, you know, that works in the same field. I think I know where you're going. R Let me say this about RJ: he has respect from everyone in this league. There is no one I know that doesn't revere this guy, including guys that have been in the league 35, 40 years. Uh, Rick Jenneret, I, I, I don't know what to say about him other than as good a broadcaster as he is, was, and always has been, he's a better person. He was kind to me when I broke into the league. Uh, he's, been, he's been a kind, uh, wonderful person in the community, and that's why I think more so than as great as an announcer he was, that's, that's why the Sabres revere this guy. That's why the fans, the community, the entire region will remember this guy for the next century is because of the kind of person he was, let alone the broadcaster. And that's what I would say about Rick Jenneret. And, and, and uh, yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, RJ was a huge part of both mine and Cully's childhood. You can't really think about the Sabres without thinking about Rick Jenneret and everything he's done for the community, you know, you know, contributed to just our memories of this hockey team. And uh, I know Cully, I know he's got to get in the ice. I know he would agree. Um, predictions real quick for tomorrow, uh, Buffalo, Edmonton, you know, Edmonton 12 and ninth since Evander Kane has joined the team, uh, Buffalo, uh, looking to win its third in a row, possibly maybe first time this season, uh, winning three in a row. Uh, what do you, what do you see tomorrow in that matchup between both those teams? Well, it's interesting. Cause I think we're going to have a couple of goaltenders that are 40 plus. I, I expect yep. Mike, Anderson and Mike Smith to be the matchup. Uh, and, and I'm, I'm kidding Mike Smith a little bit. He's going to have five more days before he officially hits 40s. He's still 39, so he's the junior compared to Craig Anderson, who, by the way, is, I believe, the last player in the league uh, that once played with my broadcast partner, Louis DeBrus, the great enforcer, which also no makes me feel a lot more comfortable whenever I go into Buffalo is now I know that, uh, you know, I don't have to worry about about Rob Ray anymore because I got Louie by my side. But uh, it's the same way I felt walking around anywhere with Cassian. So I know the feeling. Yeah, there you go. There you go. I, I think it's going to be a highly competitive, and I, I would not be surprised if it's a high scoring affair either. I, I think you could be 
looking at a 5-4 game between I, these two clubs. I was just about and, to say 5-4 Edmonton. And, and Buffalo has always given Edmonton trouble, including this year, of course. The Sabres won the first meeting by a count of 3-2. to two. Uh, The Sabres have won seven of the last nine matchups. Hockey's a game of matchups, and Buffalo has been an awfully tough out for Edmonton. But the Oilers need this one more. I think, quite frankly, that Edmonton is making one final push to solidify its position. They're starting to feel it on home ice. They're in the midst of a five-game homestand. They've won the first three. And I'm with Cully. I think it's probably the Oilers five and the Sabres yep. four in what should be one of the more interesting games all year. And they're third, third in the Pacific Division too. Like you said, every point counts right now, especially coming. Oh in yeah, this they're year. not in. They're not in. Yeah, third I mean, in the division. They're not gliding along. So you know, they need this one. And just like Toronto, man, like you know, if you guys either A don't make the playoffs or B don't have success in the playoffs, heads are gonna roll possibly with both organizations. There might be a nuclear option, no question yeah. about it. So, Jack, but, hey. thank you for your time, brother. We, I, I let go get to your son's game. I, we appreciate your time, Jack Michaels, ladies and gentlemen. Cully's got two fines to pay for today. Jack Michaels. Jack Michaels, hey, buddy, we appreciate it. Awesome insight. Um, look forward to hearing your calls in the future. Uh, all the best to you, and uh, go get that cup, man. Yeah. And if, Cheers, uh, guys. And if uh, if we're right on our predictions with that 5-4, either way, appreciate a shout-out to two goalies, one Mike on the broadcast. Just kidding. Fair fair enough, but the next time I'm in town, Cully's buying. Cully's yeah, buying. I, got, I got the round, that's for sure. Wings, wings and beers on us. Jackie hey, wants was... wingy. Jay. <laughs> Hey, I, I, I got to go. I know Jack does too. Cheers. Episode 91, two boys, one mic. Jack, thanks again. I'll see you, boys. Thanks again, Jack. Hey, everybody. This is Dwayne from Two Goalies, One Mike, a show where we give you a behind-the-mask coverage of the greatest sport on earth, whether it be happening right here in Buffalo or around the hockey world. Now, you might be thinking, hey, Dwayne, why would I want to hear what you two idiots have to say about hockey? Well, first of all, rude. Second of all, we bring in coaches, players, analysts from your favorite programs from ESPN to Sportsnet to TSN. We're always on it. If you're a Sabres fan or just a hockey fan, you can download us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Podcast. And of course, you can check us out at trainwrecksports.com or the Dean Blundell Podcasting Network. Thank you for your support, guys, and I'll hang up and listen. Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, undercurrent podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. 
Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network.